Well, if you weren't here last week, we begin an exciting new sermon series. We're going to be spending um, the next couple months examining the Apostles' Creed. And if your experience is anything like mine was, I've grown up in church most of my life, but this creed played no part in my faith or helping establish proper theology. It was never talked about in church. If it was, I wasn't paying attention, but that's another story. Um, So I'm really excited to be standing up here giving this teaching this morning, and I hope that this will be helpful in um, shaping our understanding and just proper theology of uh, who God is through studying this creed. Last Sunday, Pastor Bob talked about how the Apostles' Creed was written in the second century. And during this time in Christianity, um, the teachings of Scripture were mostly just kind of passed on through word of mouth because the printing printing press was not even close, um, you know, to being invented. And so a statement of faith was needed that believers could recite and memorize that really contained kind of just the core elements of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian, such as who is God, who is Jesus What did they do? What does salvation mean for us? The creed was also used to help correct errors and just false teachings that were kind of starting to spread about Jesus and Christianity in some of the beginning stages of the church. And it's important for us to note, again, that the creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed, is not considered Scripture. So that's important to keep that in mind in itself It simply points us to the Word of God. And this creed helps us declare what we actually believe as Christians. And so I was kind of thinking about it like this. If an atheist pulled you aside this week and cornered you and said, Hey man, tell me what you believe. Summarize the Christian faith. Go. What would you say? Could you give an answer or would you... uh, 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 stumble and fumble over your words? Could you give a true answer to that spur of the moment of what it is that you believe as a Christian? And that is really what the Apostles' Creed is. If you kind of took all of Scripture and condensed it into a paragraph, you basically get the Apostles' Creed. And this creed has played a major role in the church for the past 1,800 years, and so we would be wise to study it and let it point us to God and to His Word. And I'm guessing, if you're like me, that you're fairly unfamiliar with this creed. So we're going to put it up on the slides, and I'm going to read it for us just to refresh our memory. So feel free uh, just to read along with me um, out loud or to yourself, whatever you prefer. So here it is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, last week, Bob gave an entire sermon on the first two words of that creed, I believe, okay, and what that means for us. We learned that to truly believe something means that you have to put your trust in it, 
and that you were willing to stake your entire life to that belief, okay? And that is true of what millions of Christians have experienced who have actually been killed because of their beliefs due to horrible persecution that they have suffered. And so today we're going to examine the rest of the first section um, that says, In God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so perhaps you've heard that Christians believe there's one God made up in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so for our time today, we're going to focus specifically on God the Father. So let's dive into this. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew 6, 9. It should be page 880 if you're using a pew Bible. This is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And we're just going to read just the first two lines to help us kind of lay the foundation of what we're discussing today. It's short and sweet. Matthew 6, 9. This is Jesus. He said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And although it only takes a second to read, those first two words are profound, okay? And I don't want us to miss the significance of what he's saying here. Our Father, our Father. For Jesus to begin his prayer by calling God Father communicates deep intimacy, okay? Right from the start, it communicates intimacy. And remember that Jesus is setting an example to his disciples of how to pray. So to call God our Father shows intimacy between us and him, right? We are, sorry, he is the Father, we are his children, and so from here, so he lays out the intimacy aspect. Then from here, he moves on to show the power and the greatness of God. What follows? In heaven. So he shows that the Father resides in heaven, which is far beyond what any of us can comprehend because the only life that we have ever known is this present one, this physical one that we live in. This is all that we have ever experienced. And on top of that, we know that God is present everywhere at all times. King David wrote in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the mountains, if I go to the valleys, you are there, you are with me. 1 John 3.20 says that God knows everything. He knows everything about everyone that has ever lived. This is crazy. He knows everything about everything. Think about that. You can't. You literally cannot fathom that. You think you're smart. Maybe you know a lot about computers or music or something. He knows everything about everything. Our minds cannot even fathom his greatness. From there, Jesus goes on to call God the Father's name hallowed, which means he is most holy. He is revered. All of creation is in awe of his majesty, Revelation 15 says that who will not fear you, O Lord? Who will not bring glory to your name? You alone are holy. All of the nations will come and worship before you. He is most holy. 
and we don't shudder in a fear of him that makes us afraid and scared to approach him, but rather we're overwhelmed, right? It's a holy fear of being overwhelmed and in awe of who he is, of his power, and of his majesty. And the only appropriate response is to worship, is to surrender our hearts and our minds to who he is. Now, to make this a little personal for us, some of us here might not struggle with accepting the greatness of God. Maybe we can say, yeah, like, I believe that. Like, he's the creator. He's incredible. Maybe our struggle is believing and accepting that he's a good, personal, loving father. Maybe that's our struggle. Maybe we think, you know, we're just here. He's up there. We're not significant. He's busy doing other things. He's preoccupied helping other people. doesn't really care about us, myself, or what I'm going through. And this prayer shows that God is our intimate Father. Maybe you're on the opposite end. Maybe it's easy for you to accept that He is a good, intimate Father. You love that He loves you and wants, wants the best for you. But maybe if you're honest, if we're honest, we are not in awe of his greatness, of who he is, all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere. His greatness doesn't overwhelm us. We're just glad that he forgives our sins. So this prayer, Jesus is painting a beautiful picture of both the intimacy and the power of God the Father. Okay. Well, because I know this creed is so new to us, it makes me think of the band Creed. Wow. <laughs> From Florida. Scott Stapp. Anybody ever see Creed? I saw him front row. Kemper Arena, baby. I got a guitar pick from Mark Tremonti. That was not in my sermon notes. Sorry. Um, wow. That took some flashbacks to high school. Okay. So I'm going to show just the first two lines that we're reading to refresh our memory because I really do know this is new for a lot of us. So here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So when you consider everything that we just looked at in the Lord's Prayer, okay, to say that I believe in God the Father Almighty, that is a loaded statement, okay? There is a lot wrapped into those six or seven words. That is a loaded proclamation. For us to say I believe in God the Father Almighty means that not only do we acknowledge that our Heavenly Father is intimate, that He is all-powerful, all-knowing, that He is present everywhere, but it also means that we are submitting to His authority, submitting to His supreme rule over our lives. And this is where we get stuck, right? This is where we get stuck. We might say, man, I believe all those things. I believe He's good, He's powerful, He's intimate, He's the Creator, but we don't fully understand, we don't live out the implications of that declaration. And so I have a question for you all along those lines, if you would be so vulnerable to share. So here it is. It's one thing to believe in the power and the almightiness of God, but it's quite another thing to submit to him as the supreme ruler of your life. So... Where is the disconnect for you? What's the disconnect for you? What hinders you 
from submitting your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Father Almighty. So the floor's open. What's the disconnect from you? You say you believe all these things, we do, but yet it doesn't flesh itself out sometimes. Where's the disconnect? Who, who wants to be so honest? And I'm going to get to mine in a little bit, so don't worry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's saying he lets the circumstances of life or the busyness of life just keep his radar off from who God is, from his greatness every day. Yeah, good. What else? Well, not good, but yeah. Nicole. Yeah, she's saying she struggles sometimes because God at times can feel abstract. He's not physically standing in front of her, affirming her, encouraging her. Yeah, that's a good point too. What else? Stacy. Most of the time, I just want what I want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she said most of the time she just wants what she wants, right? Anybody relate to that? Even though if it has nothing to do with God or not even a part of his plan or will. Good. Anyone else? Yes, TK. Yeah, he was saying sometimes he believes that God's love is conditional. That if he's not doing the right things, maybe it's not there. That he's Yeah, I'm actually talking about that because that's me, bro. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Good. Good stuff. Thank you guys for sharing those things. To say that, I'm going to get to mine in a minute here. To say that I believe in God the Father Almighty with all of our hearts and minds, it implies several things, okay? First off, it implies that God is at the center of the universe and not us, okay? He is in control. He calls the shots. We do not. He is Lord, Master, King, Sustainer, Redeemer, Restorer, the Great I Am, right? The Sovereign One. And we are not, okay? He is all those things and more. Think about the book of Isaiah, um, it's in chapter 6. He shares this vision. Bob gave me this idea. And I was like, this is great. This lines up so good. He shares this vision of seeing the Lord. Uh, he's seated on high um, on his throne. And it says there are angels next to him. And the, these angels are calling back and forth to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And it says that the doorposts and the thresholds shook at the sound of their voices. And what was Isaiah's response? It says that he cried. He cried, Woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, 
the Lord Almighty. Standing in front of the almightiness of God rocked him to the core of his being. He became aware of his fallen and sinful state as he stood face to face in the presence of the Almighty. Think about the book of Job. Um, we, uh, we sing about this, what I'm going to talk about here in a song called Where Were You by the band Ghost Ship. Um, Job is kind of having this dialogue with God where he's really just kind of questioning God in a way and griping a little bit, just, God, why is there so much suffering? Why is my life so hard? Why is there pain everywhere that I look throughout the earth? <laughs> and God's response is really just kind of humorous. He just goes, hey, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I told the sun to split the night open? Hey, Job, does the lightning ask you where it should strike throughout planet Earth? And then God goes on to give about 50 other examples of his greatness, and Job just goes, I have spoken of things that I do not understand. God, what you're talking about is just too wonderful for me to even comprehend. Please stop. (laughs) I'm done. And Job realized in that moment, who am I? Who are we to question God? Who are we to question God? So to really believe in God, the All-Father, the Almighty Father, it changes everything in our lives. Not only do we recognize his greatness, but we also take comfort in knowing that he is a good, loving Father He's a father that's for us and not against us. He's he's one that delights in us and affirms us. And that is the kind of father that we are staking our lives to when we make this proclamation. Okay? So if someone pulls you aside this week and asks you to explain, hey, who is God the Father Almighty? I hope you can give them an answer. I hope you can say that he is the ruler of heaven and earth who knows all things. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he cannot do. And on top of that, he is a good, loving father that cares for me so much he sent his only son to die in my place. That is the father that we serve. And I'm going to be honest with you guys for a minute here, kind of along a little bit with what Taylor was saying. Um, My struggle is not in believing in the greatness of God in his power, in his glory. That's not my struggle at all. My struggle is believing that he is a good, intimate, loving father. That's where I get stuck, where I get tripped up. And maybe you can relate to me. Here's why this is hard. Because the world that I have grown up in has taught me that I have to prove myself and I have to work hard to be accepted and to be celebrated. So to believe that there's a heavenly father that rejoices in me, delights in me, and accepts me for who I am, it's really hard for me at times to grasp because it's nothing like I have experienced on earth. Okay? This kind of love is not normal in our relationships with fallen humans. It's led me, when I go down this path, it's led me to having low self-esteem, to beating myself up. When I fail people, beating myself up. When I fail in different circumstances or maybe things that I'm responsible for. 
And when you struggle to believe that you were held in the arms of a good, loving father, you don't feel very secure in that love. And so you question and you think, man, maybe i got to prove myself again to him. And so this is, a, this is a battle for me, okay? This is a struggle, but as I have grown and matured in my faith, I've got a much healthier understanding of God's acceptance of me. But it's always something that I have to kind of be aware of in the back of my mind and keep in check to make sure that my view of the Father is one that is true to his nature and character. So there's my junk, okay? for what it's worth. Okay, we're going to shift our focus now just to the second half of just uh, the part of the creed that we're going to be looking at. I believe in God the Father Almighty. It might actually be up there, is it? Yep. Creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. Now that's a big statement too. There's a lot of people that have a lot of issues with that statement. Calling God the creator of heaven and earth. And this is found all throughout Scripture. Just do a Google search. Hundreds of verses will come up. I just uh, pulled up a couple here. Literally the first verse of the Bible says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then Psalm 89 it says, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains. You have founded them, the north and the south, you have created them. To say I believe in God as the creator of heaven and earth has some serious implications as well. It means that we believe God created everything and that it was created good, okay? A lot of us struggle with that, that it was created good. It means that because God created the earth and all of humanity, we accept that we are his creation and that we have a purpose, okay? We are not here by accident. We are not here by accident. And so this removes any thinking patterns that might say things like, life is pointless, life doesn't matter, this place is a mess, I just can't wait for Jesus to return and get me out of this dump. You ever said something like that or heard people say that? I understand we have our times of doubt, but that type of escapism mentality is unacceptable in the eyes of the Creator. We are his creation and we are stewards of all that he has given us. To say that he is the creator of heaven and earth puts us in our place, one of humility, knowing that our lives are but a vapor in the grand scheme of things, right? That we're here today, gone tomorrow. To say that God's creator also puts responsibility on our shoulders. He's given us this world and trusted it to us to tend to it and to care for the people that reside within it. So in other words, we have work to do. We have work to do as his creation and as his representatives. Author Paul Tripp, he beautifully described the reality of God being both creator and father. He said, that being who has such incomparable wisdom and power 
that he was able to design and create everything that exists, that being is our Father. That king who won't ever leave the work of his hands till everything he has purposed to do in us and in the world that he created has been fully done. That king is our father. That God who never needed a teacher or a counselor, who knows the stars by name, and who can hold the waters of the universe in the palm of his hand, that God is our father. And guys, it's important for us to note, too, that our own life experiences testify to the truth of who God is. The truth is still the truth, no doubt about it. But when our life converges with the truth, it resonates in our souls. So, for example, it's one thing to believe in God as the creator of heaven and earth, but for a father and mother holding their newborn child for the first time, Viewing God as creator takes a little bit of a new meaning when you're holding your brand new baby that you don't deserve at all, right? It hits you to the core of your being. Maybe you've experienced the miraculous power of God heal a loved one or a a friend of, you know, a sickness or some type of disease. Perhaps you had a loved one diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I have friends that had cancer who have been healed from it miraculously, something that really could have easily taken their life it's one thing to say you believe in the father almighty it's another thing when it hits you to the core of your being because your loved one was healed of something that should have killed them okay when you experience firsthand the power of the almighty it submits the reality of his greatness in our hearts and the response should be joy and gratitude and the flip side of what I just said is true as well. Even when life doesn't go the way that we had hoped or the way that we planned, he's still the almighty father and creator worthy of praise. And that is much easier said than done. Right? Much easier said than done. It's so easy for people to deny God. Two of the main reasons people deny God. One, right, when life is just going so well, We think we're good. We don't really need him. Or two, when life has turned out to be so painful that we cannot fathom that he could be a good, loving father. We wonder why he's allowed us to experience so much pain. But even when we have experienced horrible tragedy, such as the loss of a child, a parent, a friend, a loved one, fill in the blank, God is still the Father Almighty. Now, how do we know that to be true? We know it to be true because His original creation is perfect. His original creation was perfect. When He made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, it was literally heaven on earth. But our sin wrecked that perfection, okay? Our desire for control, our lust, our greed, our selfishness, our envy, our pride, our bitterness, fill in the blank, stained God's perfect creation. And that is why Jesus came. God knew that we were a mess. He knew that we needed hope, we needed salvation, we needed forgiveness, and so he sent Jesus. 
And Jesus is going to come again because he knows we're still a mess, right? He's going to come again and restore us to his original creation where there will be no more tears, suffering, or pain. So even while we suffer on this earth and experience heartache, we can still be confident and take heart that God Almighty is in control and that he is our hope. His kingdom is at work. His redemption plan is in place. And he will execute according to his timing and his plan, his purposes in this world. All of us have had experiences in life that have solidified the truth of who God is in our hearts, whether we are aware of them or not. God uses both joy and suffering to teach us his heart and his character. What life experiences have you had? It's a good question to consider. What life experiences have you had that have submitted the truth in your heart of God being an almighty father and loving creator? And so as we wrap up today, we must consider whether or not we are living a true representation of what we're declaring from those first two lines there of the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe that God is in control, or do you still think that you call the shots in your life, call the shots in your marriage, in your parenting? Do you believe that he is a good, loving father that desires good things for you? Are you overwhelmed and in awe of his power and greatness? Do you believe that as his creation, life matters and that there is a plan and a purpose for you? You're not an accident. Are you being obedient to the things he's asked you to do? So when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, it means we are putting our full trust in him. We are staking our lives to our loving heavenly Father. Let's pray together. God, you are so good.